This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Wee Boon. Today, I continue a topic that I've been exploring, which is the axis between relationships and money. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Soraya Zainuddin from Ringgit O Ringgit about dating and money. But for today's episode, I'll be looking at those that are on the cusp of making that everlasting commitment, which is getting married. What are the conversations that you should be having with your partner before tying the knot? How should you and your boo synergize your finances? And maybe what are some of the issues that might come up, right? So joining me to discuss this is Rafik Dayat. He's the Managing Director for Wealth Vantage Advisory. Good morning and welcome to the show, Rafik. So let's start off with my first question, which will be on weddings, actually. Maybe we can start off with like the cost and the money that goes into weddings, especially here in Malaysia. How much do they generally cost and what are some of the expenses that maybe our listeners might not expect or know about? So the cost would obviously be varied based on how you approach it, Okay. So what are your expectations? What are the expectations of the people around you with regard to the wedding itself? It can be very cheap uh, if, let's say, your basic Malay wedding. So if it's just like related to having your close friends, relatives, just the basic set of gifts and the small piece of kenduri. So it might range you as low from 10,000 to 15,000 for the whole wedding. Okay, so... Uh, if we are talking about more lavish weddings, so uh, weddings that you have in the hotel where you uh, spend a lot of money, so you have your wedding dress, which is tailored, expensive. So it might it might go all the way up to 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. So the cost of a wedding, like I said earlier, will be very dependent on the choices that you make with it. So, but if you're talking from an average point of view, although there's, I still think there is differences between the different races in terms of how they approach wedding. For, let's say, your normal average wedding, I think you can't run away from at least spending potentially around 50000 right now just to have your standard average wedding. When I talk to my clients, uh, when they are planning for their children's wedding and this is not even to do it in a hotel to do it just in your normal uh, day one day one sabaguna and everything so they are they are budgeting anywhere between 50,000 to 100,000 what, what are they spending this much money on is it the rental of the building the food the clothes what what exactly goes into these tens of thousands of ringgit yeah so one uh, obviously would include the rings itself so uh, different, different, different cost, different cultures have uh, different costs. So, like in in the Malay culture, so potentially you have three rings, which is the cincin uh the engagement ring, and the wedding ring. So those are three rings, uh, and uh, with gold prices being on the uprise, so it's more expensive compared to before. So then you have the hantaran or the gift uh, from the the groom to the bride, the bride to the groom. So it depends on the type of gift that you buy. So the more expensive gift, obviously, will be more expensive. Uh, photo shoot, if if there's any. Uh, the wedding invitations, if you choose not to do the virtual thing. So I'm not sure how many of couples are still doing the printed version, but I'm pretty sure there's still some. 
uh, your wedding dress, whether you tailor it or whether you rent it. Um, the event venue, as you highlighted, then. So the event venue, so the rental of the event venue, the catering. Uh, catering, especially uh, in Klang Valley, is not cheap. So most probably you'll be looking at potentially like 15 to 20 ringgit per person. Uh, for any, and so then it's dependent on how many people that you bring. So if it's like say, uh, 20 ringgit per person, 1000 people attending the wedding is already 20k. And then after the wedding itself, lah, so in terms of going for honeymoon, etc. Blah, blah, blah. So that's how the cost actually builds up. So yeah, it's not a cost to be held lightly, right? So how do you advise them to budget? You know, is there a time horizon that the people should look at? Okay, so it will be, it will, it obviously it will be very dependent from client to client. Okay, so for clients who have more resources, then the horizon will be shorter. If the client have less resources, then the timelines probably be longer. If uh, failing to get agreement on that, then we have to talk about reducing the expectations. Okay, about reducing the expectations because as much as possible, I would never, I would never advise anyone to take a loan for a wedding. These loans you're talking about, are they personal loans or are they actually specific targeted wedding loans that are being marketed as such? Uh, generally, it would be personal loans. Although a few years back, uh, I was surprised to see some financial institutions actually marketing personal loans as a way to get the wedding of your dream. There's actually a few, I'm not going to name those, mm. but I think some of the listeners probably have seen those uh, uh, advertisements before. Some of it are on billboard, some of it are on social media, some of it are through email. So uh, like I was, I was very surprised that those kind of advertisements were also allowed to happen. Because, like I said, that to me, that is actually irresponsible from the side of the financial institutions to target, uh, target uh, people uh, to to get them to get that for something uh, like a wedding. Yeah, if you have to borrow money to get married, that then you really need to look, rethink about this next step that you're taking. Uh, so. On that note, right, why, okay, first of all, why is it bad to borrow money for a wedding? Why don't you think it's a good idea? And maybe you can expand on that and talk about some of the other dangers or pitfalls that will follow with when you're trying to spend or planning to budget for something as big as a wedding. Okay. So basically, the fact that you have to borrow for a wedding means that you cannot afford it. Okay. Uh, and that is one of the biggest no-no in terms of uh, managing your personal finances. When I talk about this, when I give, when I used to give talks or when I talk to my clients about this, uh, I actually refer to this one scene in Piramli Seniman Bujang Lapo. I'm not sure whether you know it. Oh my God, yes. Uh, or you've seen it. Yeah, so where uh, there is this couple that is actually the neighbor of uh, the three main characters, lah. Uh, Piramli, Samsudin, uh, and Azizata. And they actually were arguing about uh, the debt, the financial situation that they have, that because of the debt that they accrued when they were, when they got married, which was a long time ago, just because they, uh, because the girl's parents actually wanted to have a lavish wedding. Okay, so I always refer, I always refer to that. And I think because I think almost everyone, at least the older generation, have seen uh, Piramli's uh, videos, uh, movies, so they can actually relate it. So it actually makes it easier for me to get the message through to them. 
Okay. Yeah. So basically, uh, why uh, in more technical terms is it? So when you take a loan for wedding, like I said, you you can't afford it. So that means that after your wedding, there will be uh, monthly repayments that you have to pay. So these monthly repayments will then take away money that maybe for a better accommodation, a better transportation, or even a better lifestyle, including saving, investing taking your protection, so on and so forth. Because that money that you had borrowed will have to be paid off somewhat. So because of that, instead of starting your marriage after your wedding uh, with a clean slate, so you're actually starting uh, maybe like a bit further behind because now you have to uh, get through the uh, wedding repayment, the loan repayment. How often does this happen? How, I mean, from your experience, right, is, is it quite common for Malaysians, general Malaysians, to actually get into financial trouble because of a wedding that maybe they can't afford or they're getting too stressed out about spending too much money on a wedding? From what I've read, statistics shows that the majority, the biggest reason why couples do get divorced is actually due to financial financial issues. So whether, but whether that is uh, attributable to the wedding that they had, so on and so forth. Uh, I haven't seen that data yet. I've never seen that data yet, but uh, potentially based on, this is based on my experience talking to clients with debt issues, etc. Generally, people with debt issues, uh, those that actually start having it uh, at the early age and it just snowballs even the, until the point where even when they're earning a good income, they still cannot recover from it. So you can make the correlation that it might be related to how they started off their adult life, which includes the money that they spend for their wedding. Interesting point of view there. Okay, we're going to take a short break for some messages, but don't go anywhere. After this, we'll get into the weeds of what you should be talking about before maybe popping that question. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Boon, and today's topic is getting married and the money you might be spending and the conversations you should be having before and after this momentous event. Joining me to discuss this and share his views is Rafik Hidayat, Managing Director for Wealth Fantish Advisory. Uh, Rafik earlier was kind of like talking through us about the general cost of a wedding, uh, how much people usually spend, the kind of issues that you have to look out for, you know, before budgeting or how, how do you plan to budget for a wedding, right? So um, I want to talk to you now about the kind of mindset that a couple should go into, right, before actually trying to build a life together by getting married, that serious thing, right? Um, what are the kind of conversations did you think a couple should have before thinking about taking this very serious next step? Because at the end of the day, you know, when you're just dating, somehow or other, your, your finances are kept separate. But when you get married, right, it, it's really when things are, it's a different step in life where you move together as a unit, right? So how do you, what kind of financial conversations do you think they should have before they decide to get married? One of it, obviously, because we're talking about weddings uh, earlier, right? Whether, what are the expectations of each partner with regards to the wedding because I think this this is the first the one of the first conversations that you need to have. When I was planning to get married, I had a discussion with my girlfriend at the time, uh, who's now my wife, in terms of okay, uh, what was the uh, amount that I was willing to put aside for the wedding. 
my budget at that time was 20,000. And I said, okay, this is what we can do with it, things like that. And why I couldn't go more than that? Because I said, okay, I want to put down payment for a house, a car, things like that, so that we could be more comfortable after we got married. And based on the discussion, my partner at that time said, okay, uh, it's okay with it. But then uh, when I talked to my parents about the budget, then they said, uh, they would like certain other things to be included. So then I said, this is how much I can afford. If you want more, more gas, things like that, please, uh, please sponsor. Okay. Please sponsor. Which, which they did, lah. Which they did. Which I thank them for that. But okay. So that's, that's the first part. What is the expectations of the wedding? It can't be like one person has like, okay, uh, I have just a normal expectation. The other one wants a grand wedding. Okay, so then even if you meet somewhere somewhere in between, there might be certain unhappiness on both sides. Okay, next is what are your financial goals? What are your financial goals? Uh, uh, what are your career goals? When do you want to retire? Where do you want to retire? How much you're looking at when when uh, when when you retire? How many children that you would like to have? And once you have children, where do you want to send them for education? Uh, private school. Uh, overseas. So these are some of the conversations that you have for the future. But at the same time, you should also be having a open conversation with regards to how you manage your current finances. What do you mean by that? Like, are you taking that like you should tell each other how much you make, how much you spend, how much do you plan to spend? I mean, do we break it down to like that? Because I think these conversations, the wedding part is not to say easy, but it's an expected conversation. But usually when it gets to these more personal one where, you know, it's more on myself and more on yourself, right? That's when it gets a bit complicated, right? I, I never said it was easy. Uh, although having an open communication and being able to discuss details as much as possible will be very helpful. Uh, just to share before I continue, from an Islamic point of view, uh, the living expenses after marriage is actually the responsibility of the husband. Okay, so the husband is expected to provide for accommodation, food, etc. for the wife and the family. Any additional income that the wife actually makes is just to use as she fit. And if the wife then chooses to contribute, then that's her choice in this matter. Lah. Uh, but going back to the question, so how much detail? I think this would be based on how comfortable both sides are. Obviously, like I said, knowing more information would be helpful in terms of planning. Uh, let's talk about the wedding expectations first. So if let's say uh, there is an expectation of a grand wedding, but both uh, the potential groom and bride, they're probably like looking at, uh, they're like earning about 2,500 to 3,000 a month, which is, slightly higher than what uh, such graduates earn right now. So having a grand wedding that can potentially cost them more than 50000 uh, might take them a while for them to uh, save up. And if they, they still want to proceed with the wedding earlier, then they might have to get money from somewhere if they haven't saved up before. So this is why the conversation has to be as open as possible so that you can set the expectation straight from the start. What about things like debts? This is another sensitive topic, right? Should you be upfront about your debt situation with your partner or even upfront about wanting to know your debt situation? Uh, again, it would be good if you can share that. Uh, like for me, to be honest, I have, uh, I have two kids, a son and a daughter. So at the time, they're not at the age where they are at marriage age yet. They're still in school. But... 
I'm just talking about the fu- in the future when they're going to get married. So I will make sure that I know the death situation of the uh, partner and also their family members. Because uh, I've, as a financial planner, I've seen uh, situations where the clients actually get into financial trouble, not just because of the financial situation of their own partners, but their family members. I know uh, those that are having debt issues because they are also paying off the their family members. That's just me, lah. That's just me. So I would, as a financial planner, I would like to know as much as possible who my kids in the future will get married to in their in terms of their financial situation. But like I said, I know it's not going to be an easy conversation. But that's what relationships all are all about, right? Having those hard conversations. But okay, let's talk about looking ahead, right? So what about conversations that the couple should have uh, for their life in the future? I'm talking about maybe having children or maybe buying a house, you know. Um, are these conversations that should be explored before you get married or are they better to be talked about after you get married from your perspective? I think it doesn't hurt to have that conversation before marriage. I think you, based on who, you, who you're going out with, you probably would have a certain picture of who they are, what they expect. Uh, even if, let's say, you don't ask them directly that, those questions. So this is basically to observation. So if you marry somebody, let's say, who's potentially from a T20 family, most probably you can expect their expectations of lifestyle after you get married will be as close as possible to them because that's what they are used to for the rest uh, for the earlier part of their life. Uh, having having that conversation, I think, would be very helpful to knowing, okay, so what's your expectation with regard to where do we live? Uh, do we live in an apartment? Do we rent? Do we buy? Or do we do we buy a landed house? Uh, what type of car do you expect? How many children would you want to have? Where do you send the children for education? Like I said, would it be to private school, international school? Do we send the children for tertiary education overseas? I think those conversations would be very good to have uh, before you get married. But uh, I wouldn't say that that's a potential deal breaker in terms of, of uh, whether you get married or not. Because we wouldn't know what's going to happen to us in the future. Because like if I were to just follow that and say, okay, uh, maybe I wouldn't get married. But uh, when I when we had that conversation, things like that. So And, and then at least I know, okay, how hard do I need to work in order to make all of those and actually teach? Right. So what are the benefits that comes with being a married couple from a financial perspective? I think from a financial perspective, the main part is actually the shared spending. This is mainly one part is now you're spending less uh, because you're going, you're sharing the same living space, you're sharing your food and you're also technically spending less of like traveling to go out on dates, things like that. But I still would advise uh, even if you get married, you still should bring each other out on date from time to time to remind yourself why you fell in love with each other in the first place. Yes. Uh, other financial ben- benefits, not as much uh, because like example, like tax benefits. Tax benefits as a couple generally is not as great as the individual benefits. Generally, we do advise our clients who are both working to basically just do separate assessments instead of joint assessments because you'll be lose, you will lose out on some tax relief if you do, if you do a joint assessment. 
Mm, okay, that's very interesting. Should couples intermingle? The, I mean, when they get married, right, after they're married, right? Uh, should they intermingle their finances in a sense, like have a joint uh, account or have a separate account, each their own, or have a shared account and their own account? And also on an extension, right? Should they also maybe merge the type of debt that they might have? My standard answer would be actually it would be dependent on the couple itself and on their financial situation because that's how I would approach each of my clients anyway. Because there will be people who be suitable to share everything. There'll be people who would like to manage it separately. So uh, we can't let's like, say use one broad stroke to for for every situation. Okay, so having that conversation with regards to that. So there'll be uh would be very good. Some can be okay, some would say, okay, let's put X percent of our monthly income into a shared account. And that that shared account will be used to pay off our monthly shared expenses anything else is covered by themselves. So that's one way to look at it. Uh, another couple might say, okay, uh, from the start, okay, you pay this, 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 I pay this, 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 this. Okay, and they don't have a shared account. So it, like I said, it will be very dependent from couple to couple based on their situation and their preferences. The depth side, it would also depend in terms of whether you should combine or whatnot or whether there's a possibility to, let's say, uh, each other to help it settle it faster so that you can then move on. So, but having that conversation will be very helpful, especially goals that requires uh, contribution from both sides, things like buying a house or uh, children's tertiary education, things like that. Yeah, then those could be part of the discussion. Finally, right, I want to ask, you're a guy, I'm a guy, right? Do you see an aversion from men when it comes to discussing financial matters with their partners? And if so, right, how do you think the couples should go about it? How would you advise maybe a friend who is kind of like thinking like this to go about it? Yeah, so again, it depends. Uh, but I would agree that generally men wouldn't want to share their problems. This is an ego issue. Okay, this is an ego issue because we are taught that sharing our problems is not manly. It's not many. So we are brought up in a way saying, okay, if you have problems, you need to solve it yourself. However, uh, I've met with husbands who have financial problems who try to solve things on their own, which they, they are not able to until it comes to a point where they can't, they can't manage it anymore. And at that point, sometimes it's too late to recover from it, uh, uh, recover from it. So, and I've seen those conversations happen. Uh, with their sponsors. Okay. So how do we go about it? Uh, I think just uh, by being upfront, uh, if let's say you do have financial concerns, financial issues, uh, you you should have a conversation with your partner, your spouse. Uh, I went through that uh, in the earlier part of my marriage where we started off the marriage by sharing some of the expenses because I wasn't making enough. But after a while, I made enough so I covered the full cost, uh, uh, the whole uh, expenses for 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 the family. And but came one time like my my wife was asking me uh, to help with the parents, uh, which I told her I can't. So we we got into an argument, which then I said, okay, uh, this is the reason why I can't. So I gave her the details of. Uh, where my money from my salary went to on a monthly basis. 
And once he saw that, then then that that argument ended because it wasn't that I didn't want to help. It's just that I couldn't help. So again, having an open, transparent communication with regards to your finances can help you divert from unnecessary arguments with your spouse. Honesty is the best policy, is the takeaway from today's episode. That's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Rafiq Hidayat, Managing Director for Wealth Vantage Advisory. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We have the 10am News Bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise. I'm Simi Boon from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9. The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.